0: Greetings, parish orphans and retrogrades. It is Tuesday of Christmas week, and I come to you today with a little bit of analysis that I never got to late last week after the reply, the response to the so-called dubia. No one, no one's perfectly clear on who asked those those dubia, and so I thought I'd give you a little bit of bonus analysis as per my show with Joe Boca on saturday so uh saddle up we're going to talk about the july 16th traditionus Custodis. briefly we're going to talk about the responsa to the dubia to Traditionis Custodis, uh paused by we don't know who to the pope and we're going to get to that in one second first i would like to at the end of the year hail this channel's patrons on patreon.com go to timothy j gordon if you want to support this show We really appreciate it, and we need the support. You've probably noted on social media that those of you who are watching this right now who appreciate the kind of programming that we do, we need your help, and we appreciate it. Also, it's not too late. The book's been out about two and a half months, and it's come under attack as I knew it would. The Case for Patriarchy. It's a handsome book right behind me. Get that at sophiapress.com, Sophia Institute. And it is the Crisis Publication arm of Sophia Press. It's a great book. Give it to your brother or your brother's wife or anyone. Most people in and out of Christendom need the book now. The book is The Case for Patriarchy. You can also get it on Amazon.com. The book Leviathan, the all-things-purchased Leviathan, or you can get it directly from Sophia Press. That's how you can support this show indirectly is by buying the books associated with that also includes rules for retrogrades, the namesake. I think this book is on sale for very cheap at tanbooks.com. The namesake, the 40 rules to defeat the radical left. This was written by my brother and myself. The one that started it all for me that that was published originally by Miley Yiannopoulos that got the attention of Taylor Marshall and others was Catholic Republic. My first book, I spent over five years writing this thing. And i'm working on my fourth book now which is called don't go to college and that will be out this summer so any of these books when you purchase them you are supporting me and the channel and we appreciate it greatly also i've told you all as we go into 2022 which is going to be reboot number three for that bad year of 2020 you need to bear in mind that the blue state governors are going to be clamping down on you again with the omicron scare They might use this as the big one, the excuse to shut down state borders or to do other such onerous things. Get out of your blue states now, sensible Christians and conservatives. Get to a red state like I did. I moved from California to Mississippi. Do so by going to realestateforlife.org. They're helpful, they're effective, and just supporting a good cause. So go to realestateforlife.org and get someone to help you move out of a blue state into a red state. I recommend... The broad swath of blood red states between Texas and Florida. Realestateforlife.org. Okay, so, of course, late last week, the other shoe dropped. On July the 16th, Traditionis Custodis came out and shocked the world. This text uh, scaled back some more in Pontificum, Benedict the meager grant to people who love the TLM. And it, it undid it and it went a little bit further. It made it legal again for bishops to to deny TLM loving Catholics the TLM at their parish. Between July 16th and Friday of last week, which is a span of about five months, almost to the day, um most bishops ignored Traditionis Custodis, and were, were kindly, um, gentle to the TLM-loving Catholics. And there have been, in America anyway, most jurisdictions that allowed the continuation of diocesan TLM masses to be said. I've gone to, you know, the New Orleans TLM and, and two different locations several times since then. And I think this made the tin pot dictator, Francis, angry. I, I'm not sure. I, it's, it's hard to describe psychologically what is going on in this crazy old man's head. But when it comes to the question in the title of this video, will Francis likely take a third step? He took the first step, traditionis custodis, to undo some more in Pontificum. Then he took the second step by responding to some dubia that no one even knew were submitted. Turns out he can respond to dubia, by the way. Um, And the response was a furtherance of the anti-TLM agenda. Will he take a third step and outright just come on with it and cancel the TLM form of the Roman Rite? My answer, while speculative, is probably yes. But remember that all of the stories coalesce the recent stories that I've covered here on rules for retrogrades are cold. Sometimes I stay away from uh, uh, Romanita type gossip stories. other times I dive fully into them. That is a an exercise of my prudence as a commentator, of course and and prudence means that sometimes you you hit some out of the park, sometimes you whiff. I think that the best way to amalgamize all of this info is, Remember the story that Newsmax ran a week and a half ago, almost two weeks ago, on Francis not surviving 2022, according to an insider Vatican Cardinal. I have deemed, from a few different sources, that this is a real story. So I think Francis is in a race against the clock. If you take the reasonable speculation at face value that he's going to try to to take this yet one more final step further, the complete evisceration of the TLM for, for always and everywhere. And if you assume that there's at least a, a modicum of uh, credibility to the story that he is on his way out, he's dying. It probably has to do with the surgery he was having over the summer on his colon and all the suspicious circumstances uh, pertaining thereto. I think that's the, the, the safest way to approach all this. Also, the rest of the St. Gallen agenda hangs in the balance. Does Pope Francis want to emplace very pro non-celibate priests? Yes, he does. We know this is part of the Sankt Gallen agenda. And does he want a female diaconate? Yes, we know he wants this. So he's in a race against the clock for these two uh, line items. If we say that there's a third line item, you know, with the stroke of a pen, now with two kind of pre-moves, getting rid of the TLM, this differs. This third line item differs from the first two insofar as I don't think, I don't think that the Sankt Gallen Mafia, who emplaced Francis, by, by all the reasonable, reasonable standards of what we mean when we say that they emplaced him, I don't think they necessarily care whether he does the stuff to remove to gut the TLM. I think that is Francis the world's pettiest leader in recent world history. He doesn't like all of the pushback that's been coming against him from the Dubia cardinals from the more recently those like uh Schneider Schneider's a little a little older, but um, Vigano has been speaking out since late 2018. Uh, certain corners of EWTN, that is to say Raymond Arroyo and Ed Penton, and the like, and all of those of us who follow their news cycle and, and their commentary cycle, which includes this program, of course. And he under- has begun, he's grown to understood since the publication of Amoris Letitia in April of 2016, that the the easiest, the quickest, the most effective thumb in the eye against his opponents, the, according to him, the coprophiliacs and the coprophagiacs, that's us, is to take swift, decisive action against the TLM. Now, I don't understand the three-part thing, dividing the gutting of the TLM into, you know, three parts and taking it in phases. I don't understand that. But what I'm telling you is, I don't think this was part of the Sunk Holland agenda. I think this was Francis, who has shown himself time and again, I'll I'll have to do a show on this, the pettiness of Francis. I think that would be a really great show. He is an incredibly petty dictator. And he's shown himself to to not be above pettiness. By any stretch of the term, he's not even close to above pettiness. He is willing to indulge pettiness. And that's my uh, deliberate judgment. On that matter, I do not think that getting rid of Samorum Pontificum or the Latin Mass was something he was charged with by the cardinals who elected him. And we're using charged in the soft sense because they there's they have no enforcement mechanism that's apparent. They just he, he does seem to be doing the Sant Gallen, doing its agenda, okay? So I think that the TLM stuff is all Francis. This means that he's in a race against the clock on at the behest of his petty will to get revenge on those, particularly in America, those media outlets, news and commentary that have spoken out against him by moving against the TLM. And it means that he's in some race against the clock to complete the Songt Golan agenda. And I think he wants to do all of those he wants to cover all of those bases. So that's that's the, the thing. I think the answer to the question is, I don't know why he's doing this in phases, but evidently he intends to complete what he set out to do in the middle of this summer, as per his own pettiness. He intends to finish what the Sankt Golan Mafia um, put him in place to accomplish. Now, Switching gears a tiny bit, I would like to talk about some of the ramifications of his new move against the TLM. Uh, there's a great Phil Lawler article up that was published on, yesterday on CatholicCulture.org called Who Denies the Novus Ordo is Valid? Question mark. Prepare for a surprise. It begins this way. In its stunning new document, Increasing Restrictions on the Traditional Latin Mass, the Congregation for Divine Worship charges that many traditionalist Catholics do not recognize the validity of the Novus Ordo liturgy. Therefore, we are told adherence to the traditional liturgy poses a serious threat to the unity of the Church. The CDW offers no evidence to support this indictment against traditionalists. And I don't really know what the term traditionalist Means anymore. In all honesty, I don't know. Did, are you a traditionalist just for loving the TLM? I guess I am. Are you? Do you does it go with this whole other corpus of worldviews about really, actually, un, unrelated and semi related matters? All the Vatican II talk. Most people say that's a true trad. If so, then then you know I'm I'm not on board. Lots of people are not on board, and that's at the heart of this article. Um. So there's no evidence to support the indictment against traditionalists, just as, Phil Lawler continues, in *Traditionis Custodis, Francis offered no evidence that a worldwide survey of bishops had discovered widespread concern about the friction allegedly caused by the traditionalist movement. Vatican insiders report that, in fact, in their responses to the survey, most bishops reported no difficulties with traditionalists. And Catholics familiar with the traditionalist movement rarely, if ever, encounter zealots who deny the validity of the post-conciliar liturgy. But even if the CDW complaint were accurate, the Vatican response would be disproportionate. Let me explain. This is a good point. I want to get to it. And then I want to um, respond to Lawler himself in this paragraph I just read. He continues, Catholics who attend the traditional liturgy regularly constitute only about 1% 1% of the world's overall Catholic population. If 1% of these of these traditionalists reject the Novus Ordo, and I think that estimate would be far too high, he says. I, I, don't, I don't think that's right, but I, I like the rest of his point. Then the problem is confined to a barely visible minority. Yet among Catholics who attend Mass regularly in ordinary parishes, an overwhelming majority reject the validity of the Novus Ordo liturgy. This is a great point. Poll after poll shows that more than 70% of Catholics who do not believe that Jesus Christ becomes truly present, body, blood, soul, divinity, at the Mass. But if Jesus is not present, if the Eucharist is not confected, then the Mass is not valid. Therefore, most worshipers at an ordinary Catholic parish believe that the Mass is invalid. Q-E-D. So I, I, Lawler's clever. He's he's, uh, he's an outside-the-box thinker. He is, like yours, truly an independent catholic thinker he's not regurgitating chewed meat constantly which is so many of these catholic commentator sites just saying the same things over and over and over and over are you a trad if so you say all the exact same things are you a uh neocon jp2 loving kind of catholic you say the same things over and over and over obviously the left caths. i'm just counting out but these latter two groups you know I think each have their moments, trads and the and and occasionally the the neocons. Okay. So Lawler I think it has has maintained duly a good reputation as an independent Catholic thinker and this is why. Because he's he's able to say look, 70% by by the numbers, real numbers, not imagined numbers like Pope Francis's um, which allegedly propped up TC in the middle of the summer in the first place, these numbers really show that 70% of Novus Ordo Catholics unwittingly uh, don't support the validity of the Novus Ordo. Great point. Great point. Now, and, and this does strike at the heart of the matter because Francis's entire justification for taking away the TLM, undoing some in Pontificum, is that it's... Um, the one justification that really avails that it's bad for the census fidelium. It's bad for the faith. It's bad. It moves against the common good of the faith. And of course, I don't have to lend my voice to the choir so explicitly. We all know this is patently false. When Lawler says, you know, traditionalists, those who attend a TLM regularly are about one in a hundred Catholics. I accept that. I think, I think I've looked into it and that's consistent with what I found. When he says only one out of a hundred of these denies the validity of the Novus Ordo, that's where there's a, a little bit of a problem. I, I, I've, had, I've had experience. He probably doesn't hang out on Catholic Twitter much. Far higher number than that um, would, would, would count in that category. Catholics who attend the TLM, that a lot of them will, will say, well, I, I'm not going to check its validity, but I, I would never go. They talk about it as if, as if um, it's an invalid Mass. I mean, if it's Jesus there, even if it's got corny music and, and uh, the priest is facing the wrong way during consecration, it's not really your sin as a layman. It's not really your concern. Aside from the fact that you go to a TLM whenever you can, I'm, I'm I'm generalizing most of the people in my audience with coloring it with my own perceptions and biases, of course. But I think we're all pretty close on this. You go to a TLM when you can because it's so much, we feel, more beautiful, more respectful. But um, if it's valid, then might as well, might as well not lose the faith or something. If Francis does something rash, which I think he will, I think the number is higher than one out of 100 traditionalists will say either the Novus Ordo is not valid or, well, valid doesn't really matter, but I would never go. I think if you toss that in there, then it is a much higher number. Now, it's still not 70%. Like, Phil Lawler's number of 70% is just the number that we all found recently. Only 70% of Novus Ordo Catholics believe in the real presence of Christ in the Eucharist, body, blood, soul, divinity. So it's still not going to hit that number. So why isn't Pope Francis attacking the uh, mass scores of the Novus Ordo? Is there a correlation? The fact that they go to the Novus Ordo and we believe in the Lex Orandi that we say is at least in significant threat of diminishing belief in the real presence? I mean, I'm trying to not overstate things here because overstatement can look really ridiculous after the fact. But I, I think I think there's a correlation If you go to the Novus Ordo, I don't think the Eucharist is as apparently to be worshipped there as the source and summit of Christian life, as uh, Catholic catechism calls it. And therefore, therefore, people tend to believe in it less. But that's hard to prove objectively, right? It's just like, hey, I mean, I think, you know... Led Zeppelin is pretty obviously a way better rock band than Wham, you know? It's it's hard for me to show you that on paper, and the lawyer, the philosopher, the logician in me likes to be able to show something on paper. So I'll just restrict myself to saying it's pretty obvious, I think, that Led Zeppelin is better than Wham. So the reason that this matters a little bit, but but overall I like uh, Lawler's point, is because not... As as Francis was trying to say on July sixteenth last summer, with the publication of Traditio Custodis, FSSP diocesan ICK going Catholics are uh, somehow it, it, there's that there's some sort of operative majority among these licit TLM attendees that do reject Vatican II. It's nowhere near fifty percent, but it's it's higher than one percent. That's all I'm saying. Rather, it's more like this. This is my recharacterization of what's happened from July 16th and then December the December the 12th or 13th, whenever that w- fell for us Americans, uh, the publication of the response to the dubia. It is the Vatican equivalent of common sense gun regulation, right? Those who licitly attend TLM masses three groups, you know, ICK, FSSP, the other ecclesia day organizations and diocesan TLMs, those churchgoers are, you know, vast the vast majority whether it's 99% or 90%, are people that are like, look, I go because I I have a special devotion to this way of saying the mass. I'm not going because if in some thought experiment, Francis took the TLM away. I, I would stop being a Catholic. That would be formal adherence to a schismatic spirit, as the uh, 1988 Ecclesia day document terms it. Formal adherence to a schismatic spirit would be if you're like, "Hey, if there's no Latin Mass, I ain't being Catholic anymore." That's that's not allowed. That shows that's prima facie evidence that you that you have a schismatic spirit. So you don't want to say that, right? Oh, if they, ever, if they ever took this Mass away, I'd stop being Catholic. That The source and summit of the faith is not the particular liturgy. It's the Eucharist, which I was talking about this with my buddy Joe on Saturday. The telos, the final end of the Mass, is the Eucharist, not the particular liturgy you go to. Or else we couldn't have any different liturgies, right? We couldn't have 23 or 24 rites. It's the Eucharist itself. But the reason it's likenable to common sense gun regulation, the acts put in place by uh, Traditiones custodis, is because those who are following the law, going to an FSSP, say, are being punished for the sins of the, the vast majority of those who go to SSPX, who, who are illicitly going. They are in vast majority, taking on formal adherence to a schismatic spirit, so and, and by definition, it's it's like common sense gun regulation, where you punish law-abiding gun owners for the sins of non-law-abiding gun owners, people that got their gun on a black market. The proof is in the pudding. From July 16th to today, and after today, those who attend SSPX chapels will continue to do so, and they, you know, you, all you have to do is go on Catholic Twitter. They're they're heralding it from the mountaintops they're like i'll never stop no matter how many popes it's been three popes now that don't agree on tons the first two with the latter one they all agree about you know the status of of sspx and all that um which i don't i don't spend a great amount of time talking about but francis jp2 benedict they all agree yes yes FSSP, you, you can go to illicitly. There's no problem. There's Until July 16th, they never claimed that there was a risk of adhering to a formal, formally schismatic spirit. They never said that because FSSP is following the rules. And so you're punishing those people who are following the law on the basis of those who are not following the law. And those who are not following the law are not going to be punished ever. Right, because they're like, well, this is what we're going to do from here, kingdom come. We don't have to follow Rome, right? We do not yield to the, I mean, what it is to be Catholic is to uh, yield that the magisterium of the Catholic Church is the infallible interpreter of scripture and tradition. Even in places where we're like, really, scripture means that there? There are places in scripture where like, that doesn't seem to be that. But, but the magisterium says that this part of scripture means this. Luther got off board there. Well, similarly, the magisterium is the infallible interpreter of tradition as well. And it's been a wacky, wild ride under Francis. And I've been, uh, you know, one of the first canaries in the coal mine. This, this guy's nuts. This guy's bad news. But you don't, you know, you don't start saying, "Well, we're not going to do what you, whatever you say." It's just kind of like the bishops are the the middle managers, and they seem to really be saying, "Well, we're not sure what these dubia mean. We'll, we'll follow if it becomes more clear." That that seems to be the response. That's what lots of people, good people in the church, were saying in New Orleans when I was there for mass this weekend. Like, oh, we we don't know. We're not going to make any changes. They've kind of been saying that since July the sixteenth. That's not defiance. They're saying there are ambiguities here and let's wait and see what Francis wants to do it's bad news but the church the pope is the titular head of the magisterium which is charged with the infallible interpretation of scripture and tradition so what I'm saying is Francis might be trying to do something that we think is wicked here and if we're right that he's going to go through and do something really, really mean-spirited, really wicked, really bad for the faith, and get rid of the TLM altogether, then we have to have a little faith. What's going to happen? It's happened before in church history. Before he outright eradicates it, he will cease to be pope. Now, he's not going to do that willfully. He's only going to do that by dying. That's what makes this race to the finish of Francis versus his own lifespan. He's racing against himself. So darn interesting. Pray for the Pope. Pray that he converts to a faithful spirit, a faithful point of view. Praying doesn't make it necessarily more likely. Okay? And um, pray for the Pope to do that. But we do not have to pray that this Pope lives to 100. That is not what you're, you've never, ever, ever been bound as a Catholic to pray that anyone's life continues unabated inexorably extra long you don't have to do that you're not bound to do that it seems that Francis is a not well man and I don't know again I don't understand what's going on I don't claim to I don't know why if he's a not well man he wouldn't have just with a stroke of a pen answered those dubia that came from mystery persons he answered them pretty darn fast and just said yeah TLM's gone he knows this would rock the boat. He likes to make a mess. He likes to rock the boat, but he didn't want to do it that much. This means he's not in that big of a hurry. But if you have faith as I have faith, it will be in, hey, look, if our position is right, like Gamaliel said when he caught the, the apostles in Acts of the Apostles, and he said, oh, let me let them go. If their mission is from God, it'll succeed. If it's not from God, it won't succeed. If, the, if the, God wants the TLM protected, the Holy Spirit, we can trust the Holy Spirit. Francis' pontificate will not last long enough to effectuate what we think he wants to effectuate. I hope this makes sense. And people are like, well, this is passive. Look, we're allowed, according to Thomas Aquinas, Bellarmine Suarez, to take political and cultural action against tin pot dictators in the realm of politics and culture. We are not allowed, and I mean, I like. I'm always saying that. Look, move out here. That's the first step only. Get to red states. That's the first step only. It's it's on our shoulders to deal with our own politics and culture. Ecclesiology, that's a whole other thing. I, I'm not I'm not some pacifist. I'm not some pacifist. I'm just saying when it comes to dealing, cleaning up the hierarchy, all we can do is pray. Those of us who love the TLM, which is which is so much, such a large portion of my audience. All we can do is pray. We cannot clean up the hierarchy, the upper clerical hierarchy. Hopefully, Pope number 267 will be of God, will be on our side, will use his free will for the things we hope he uses them for, the common good of the church. There's no knowing right now. But what I think can be discerned, not known, is this interesting fact that Francis is in a race against his own lifespan and that if the Holy Spirit really, like Gamaliel, said, you know, almost 2,000 years ago, the Holy Spirit really is for us keeping the TLM. And I think, I think, I think he is. Then he will not allow Francis to do what patently obvious now he wants to do. Obviously. I think it's that simple. And that's not being a pacifist in the face of a need for action. There's no action for us to take. We're laymen. Let me know what you think about this in the comments. Like, subscribe, click the bell. I'll do probably one more show before Christmas. I'll bring you a little uh, Christmas fun with my buddy boss. And we're going to wait and see what happens. If anything earth-shattering or big happens, then I'll, I'll kick in an extra show between now and Christmas. But I'm letting you guys chill out because everyone's got family stuff to attend to, right? Took the fam to a movie today. We're going to go ice skating tonight. I hope you're having a lovely Christmas season. Don't let Pope Francis, this bitter, petty dictator. Ruin your day. That's what he wants to do. Don't let him. Pray through it. Pray that he converts. Most of all, pray God. Thank you for coming to us in the Eucharist. Thank you for the incarnation, which we celebrate on the octave of Christmas. Now, five days away, four days away. God bless you all. Deus Volt.